Hello everybody and welcome to episode 27 of the Biff Rugby League podcast, the final official episode of 2022. Um, sorry it's a week late, um, Robin decided to throw his guts up last week and was like, oh lad, sorry I can't do it. Um, are you feeling better this week Robin? Yeah I am, um, I genuinely was ill, I wasn't just like pulling a sickie but I'm, I'm happy to say that I've crawled to the end of this year with you guys at the Biff and it's been a pleasure. It has been good, we've had ups, we've had downs, we've had technical issues and next year um, Toby is going to provide us with a child, a Biff child um, <laughs> and Robin by the way, just before we start, Robin you've won the set of six, you've won the predictions. Wow. Um, you finished on 105. I was finished on 99. Toby, you finished on um, 93. Um, and as a result of Robin winning the set of six predictions, he is now allowed to name Toby's child. <laughs> <laughs> wow! What an honour. I'm gonna I'm gonna have to think about this. I just like to say, um, you know, thank, thanks um, for crowning me the winner again. Um, the fact that neither of you even made a hundred is pretty <laughs> pathetic, but you know, we can't all have a magic crystal ball. And I'd also just like to rub it in a little bit before before we move on, that not only did I predict the winners of the men's and women's finals, but I also predicted the two players of the match, which you guys were like, oh, let's add points so that we can catch up the lead. And all you really <laughs> did was play into my hands and give me a chance to just stretch out yeah. and play in glory. So... It, it wasn't good. The only thing I got right last week uh, or two weeks ago was the fact that Australia would win the women's final. And the only thing that Toby got right was the England won the wheelchair final. Um, I mean, it wasn't a great week for you either, Robin. You, you, only, got, um, you only got four out of 12. Oh. <laughs> it was an absolute shocking week, but it was enough. All you needed was for like a point, and you'd have been fine. You didn't even, you know what? You didn't even need to get any points. We still wouldn't have caught you. It was a victory lap. It was. You just absolutely taking the absolute mick. Um, Toby, is there any names that he can't give you, kid, next year? I mean, the issue what we've fallen into with naming is just the fact that there's a lot of like cringy celebrities that have names nowadays if you know what I mean so yeah. like as long as it's not like a reality TV star or you know something like that then we're in fine stead I like how he hasn't told you you're not allowed to name the kid <laughs> <laughs> he's gone oh yeah as long as you don't give it a crappy name you've got full reign I'm I'm just thinking I'm just thinking I mean <laughs> maybe, I'll, maybe tune in to week 1 2023 to find out um, and yeah, we have a date for week one, 2023, because the Challenge Cup, I know when the first round of the Challenge Cup's going to be, a little bit of insider knowledge, um, Bedford Tigers are going to be in the Challenge Cup in 2023, and the first round weekend is the February the 11th or 12th, so we'll be with you the week before that. Um, sorry, Robin, I know I didn't tell you before we went on, but yeah. No, um, <laughs> in for it. That sounds like a lovely Valentine's Day. Yeah, brilliant. Event. Um, if we've got a home game, oh, I can't wait for that, that'd be amazing. Um, we may as well crack on. We've got ten awards to hand out tonight. Um, I'll run you through the awards we're going to do. We're going to start with the Women and Men's Player of the Year. We're going to move into Signing of the Year. Then we're going to go to... I've lost my, my sheet now. Where's the order I had? 
I've lost my order. Flipping heck. Um, signing of the year. Team of the year. Club of the year. Mullet of the year. Biff of the year. Blunder of the year. And then worst rebrand of the year. And then we're going to do singular moment of the year. So for us, what is our... So for the moments, we'll have a top three. We'll... We'll each say our own and then we'll decide which one deserves to be three, two, one. And our big moment of the year will be our, well, that's where we'll end it um, for tonight. So it's a, it's a night of celebration. Um, I've got my Pepsi Max with me. Um, what are you lads drinking? Water for you, Toby, now? You've been responsible? Yeah, it's water and a star of prom and, uh, you know, beer glass. So it's a nice, uh, it's a nice, like, you know, mug, beer, glass, pint, you know, yeah. old pint of water, sort of. Nice. And pretend I'm drinking an array of drinks out of it. Could be a coffee, could be a beer, could yeah. be could be just a glass of water. There. Nice. With self, Robin? Uh, I'm going full on Zach Hardacre at the 2017 uh, end of season awards. No, I'm kidding. I'm, I'm on the fresh air. <laughs> I was about to say, I was like, I was like, I really hope not. I was like, I, I know, I know, I know people that listen to this. I please don't tell me you're doing lines. Oh, Jesus. Um, so yeah, first up then, women's player of the year. Um, very vague category. We understand. Um, it's really difficult to like, personally, we don't know enough about the women's game to be specific on position and backs, halves, forward. We just, this is the year we've really signed of got into the game as a whole and started to really understand who the players are and who they play for. Um, so I don't know who wants to kick this one off because I've got a few names in my head and I haven't picked my favourite player of the year yet. I don't know if either of you two have one. I've got two suggestions. One of them is an, like more of an honourable mention and one of them is a genuine contender. So shall I start my honourable mention? Yeah. Um, it's Holly Dodd for the York City Knights. I've sort of, just like you said, sort of just got into this, um, into the women's game, and at the start was mostly through the Knights. And I feel like I, the first game that I saw her play, I was like, she's a genuine talent. And she, she was, she's really, really threatening with ball in hand. She's a really good, strong tackler. And she just puts herself in the right places. And as the year's gone on, I think she's um, got a lot stronger more physically capable and so I think her game's really developed and I think we I, I saw the best game of, of her season for England um, right at the start of the World Cup and I was really really impressed and I think that the fact that she's so young is really exciting and I think that she she is the future of our England team so she's an honourable mention and the only reason that I'm saying she's not a genuine contender is because I think that it didn't quite work for her at the World Cup and right at the start when we played Brazil that right edge was absolutely steaming. It were on fire. Um, George Roach, Holly Dodd, Tara Jane Stanley, and Caitlin Beavers. What a threatening um, attacking option that is. And they and they were, they were everything was working and it was going really good. And Holly Dodd was right in the middle of all that. Mm. But they just couldn't find that same um, sort of luck ability. Um, create those same opportunities when they came up against. Um, New Zealand and they also were a little bit iffy against um, PNG just sort of didn't go their way so against the best of the best she wasn't quite there but yeah, still wanted to give her a good shout out yeah 100% my, yeah my actual um, suggestion is 
a Jill Aroo in Julia Robinson. She wasn't the standout player in every single game, but she scored the joint most number of tries. Um, she was awarded a coaches award in the NRLW. And I just think she was just everywhere. She's a, a complete athlete, super strong, super fit, um, great attack, great defence. And I really just enjoyed watching her play. So I want to put forward Julie Robinson. Yeah, I definitely agree with the Holly Dodd honourable mention. Every time you've watched York on the telly or even in person, she would have done something spectacular and really led that team from the front. Um, so definitely, Julia Robinson in that World Cup final was, she just seemed unstoppable. Like, she was named in the dream team in the NRLW. Like, for, to do that at the age of 24, I know it's not a, a I know it's not the, the oldest of competitions, but they're, they're four seasons in now over the last five years with one being cancelled. But she scored seven tries in four games for Australia. Like, that's ridiculous. And they're, what, are they all at the World Cup this year? Were they all four games at the World Cup this year? Seven yeah. tries? Like, any anyone at any level to score that many tries at an international level is ridiculous. Um, Toby, any n- names for you that have jumped out this year? Uh, I think that, yeah, on context, I think it's... it's it, with there being a World Cup this year, Player of the Year has to have had a good World Cup as well yeah. as the domestic season. Um, so I think that it feels... In many ways, it probably feels fit, fitting to take a Gillaroo. Um, however, I think that you know when you win the women's golden boot and the um, and the uh, what's the word the Dalian yeah um, in the same year, you know I think that it sort of shows that you are absolutely you know there's no doubt in anyone's mind that you are the premier player in the world so I think that for that reason it's it, like it's hard for me to look past Ray McGregor but I would I think I'd like to pick a Gillaroo but I think the Gillaroos have what they've some of their team don't translate into the NRLW as well in terms of their teams aren't performing well not that they're individually aren't performing well yeah I think that you know you look at the Newcastle Knights team that won the NRLW this year and I mean, I, I can't, I, there's definitely a couple names in there which have played for Australia, but it's not an Australia, you know, it's not. Yeah. The Australia squad is for multiple teams, and I think for that reason, like, I think that you've just got to go with the player who's been best overall for me, and that's Ray McGregor. Yeah, 100%. Uh, Ray McGregor was a name that I mentioned in the build up to the Rugby League World Cup final. We mentioned her name in the build up to the, the tournament as a whole, and we were really excited to see her play. Did really well against England, played phenomenally well in the first game against Australia. Went missing a little bit in the grand final, uh, in sorry, in the World Cup final. Definitely understandable. Julia Robinson again was phenomenal. There was names for the NRLW that really stood out this year. Um, Jesse Southwell, the young is it the, is that the younger one of the two sisters in the Newcastle? Seventeen years old was one of the best players in that Newcastle team, but unfortunately got I believe she got injured before the uh, the grand final over there, which meant she wouldn't be able to go to the World Cup. Um, Millie Boyle, is it, that plays at Newcastle as well, just about to go over to, with, with Adam Elliott going to follow her, her, her partner, lifted that trophy for the Newcastle Knights. But like you said, neither of them played in the World Cup, and so you have to kind of look look past them and look at who played really well. For me, Ray McGregor, I agree, one of the best players in the world. You don't win a golden boot and the Dally M if you're not the best player in that league. But Isabel Kelly during the World Cup for Australia was just unstoppable. 26 years old just doesn't look like she's be able to run for everybody but she just is she just she just can um 
yeah, it's just phenomenal. I don't know. I don't know how else you can describe the way they are, but she she was one of the best players in that World Cup final, other than Ali Brigginshaw, and that's the name we haven't mentioned, Robin. You picked her as your player of the match, and you were right. She did. She was able to do it when it mattered for Australia, but she couldn't transfer that into her club game, and that's why I think this is one of the most. This is one of the difficult awards to award, but. I think for me, I think I'm going to have to back Toby on this one. I think we're going to have to go with Ray McGregor, but uh, Julia Robinson, definitely a very, very close second alongside I most of those Julia Roos. Completely agree. So, Ray McGregor is the Biff Rugby League Podcast Women's Player of the Year. Um, men's Player of the Year this time. It's tough. Not many people were ranting and raving about a lot of players this year, but if they played for Penrith, they were going to be up there, weren't they? They were going to be named as, oh, who's the best player in the world? Who's, who, which of these halfbacks is, is going to do it? Which of these halfbacks is going to be able to lead their country or lead the team? And before the World Cup, um, there was, clearly hadn't won a representative game without Jerome Luai. But he did it. He won the World Cup final without Jerome Luai and against Jerome Luo, which I think is more important. So for me, I don't I don't mind which one of them two, but for me, it has to be one of them two that wins this, this award. Interesting. I, I would say um, out of those two, I think that um, Cleary has, has been the better, but um, I actually didn't have either of those two in my um, as my suggestion, but I've still gone down the Penrith Panthers route and um, I would like to put forward Steve Crichton. The fact that um, not only did he have a good, another great season with Penrith, um, instrumental in everything that they do, so dangerous at the highest level, and he loves the big games. Um, but he also what he did in the World Cup, and the way that he um, came up with that clutch play to knock England out in the semi-final, um, and I think he was still probably one of the best players in the actual final against um, the world's best. So I, I'd like to put him forward for, for my uh, nomination. Toby, any thoughts? Robin has just stole my nomination out of all <laughs> You know what? I thought I was being quite smart not picking, you know, picking a, a Penrith Panther, but picking Crichton for the reasons you've just discussed. Um, I guess that I'll sort of go on like I felt like you know something I wanted to make sure I did with these awards was not just award them all to Australia so I guess you know in the you know the theme of the fact that we are a you know a Europe based podcast and we should focus a little bit on the European Super League and I think that um, for that reason um, the player I'll put forward is Tommy Makinson. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. Mainly because I've li I listened to a couple of Australian rugby podcasts, and the only player they've said, is, the only player every single week is that has impressed the um, impressed the Australian viewers who aren't used to the Super League players, regardless of you know the game. So again, a lot of players were impressed up until the Samoa game, and then all of a sudden. You know, it started to crack started to show one player who never showed cracks in the World Cup and we, you know it, it goes out saying that he's one of the best 
Cogwell Cog player, he plays for the winning team. He's yeah. he played, you know, for a team that's won four grand finals in a row. Um, you know, there's no denying his club form, and I think that he came out of the international stage as as the international stage and looked like the form winger behind Josh Adokar. Um, yeah, so for that reason, I, I'm going to say Tommy Makinson, but, I, you know, my heart is probably with Stephen Crichton. And I think that answers the question then. I mean, I think that for me it was the battle of the halfbacks, the Samoan and the Australian and Cleary against Luai, but Crichton broke hearts and I kind of, and for that reason, that he's, he's a nomination for another award later on for me because um, there's a couple of, for my moment of the year, I have a few and I, I think one of them is going to be some of that is that moment but I think yeah I think Stephen Crichton this year has really stepped up his game on the field and stepping back and going I want to play for Samoa and not playing for Australia even though he would have walked into that team just goes to show that he's not just there because he's there he's doing it because he has a reason to do it and for that reason I think I'm gonna to have to back Stephen Crichton so the men's rugby league player of the year for the Biff podcast this year is Stephen Crichton. Are we all in agreement? Yeah. yeah. Perfect. Perfect. Um, team of the year. So this isn't necessarily, for those listening, it's not players by position and a 13. It's a singular squad from a team. So from, from a club. So, for example, it could be St. Helens squad that won the Super League. It could be... It could be the NRLW Newcastle Knights team. It could be the Samoan Rugby League uh, World Cup squad. Um, but for me, it's the only team that went unbeaten in their league campaign in professional rugby this year. And that is the Keith Lee Cougars. Can't be better than that, can it? Yeah, I, I, I wrote down three teams and one of them is Keithley. The fact that they were had a perfect season um, and yeah, I, I totally agree. We've been kind of enjoying their success all year, haven't we? Um, the team the team that I want to put forward is a, a history-making four-time Super League Grand Final winning St. Helens. I think it's something that has never been done before. And if you look at the team that won that first um, Super League four years ago, it's almost a, a, a completely different side. They've had so many changes. Like they, they built that side off um, Ben Barbara, um, Theo Farge has departed. Um, some of the great um, second rowers and things have, have moved along, but they've still managed to bring um, new players through the ranks. Since then, they've unearthed. Um, Jack Wellsby, who's been sensational, um, and the likes of um, Tommy Makinson that Toby just um, described his talents. Um, I think they just, what they've done is really cool, the fact that they actually managed to do it without um, Alex Wormsley, who was massive, and um, Matt Percival. I just think that they just totally deserve to be held up as like one of the best that we've um, been seen. able to enjoy yeah 100 i do agree with that your third team i'm curious now so my third team was a bit of an oh i was well maybe i'll let toby go because he, he might be about to say yeah that's true go on Toby. see if you can spoil robin's moment yeah so i think i think that from the moment a certain player signed for this team that 
I wanted them to be my team of the year and I think that I think that I can justify why they're my team of the year um, despite the fact that you know they did get knocked out in a semi-final and and that they've you know and to be honest the fact that they, you know, they don't play in the R- NRL um, is it Lesignon? <laughs> it is isn't it it's Lesignon no 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 don't oh. worry okay, don't worry so. I haven't put Lesignon forward but I've gone for a team who have managed to, in 2022 bring in three players who top Super League clubs wouldn't take because they'd never even half proved themselves and uh, proved themselves enough in the NRL to even make it into into your sort of St Helens teams or your Wigan teams um, and they've taken those players and developed them into players who now the top of Super League would kill to have and that is the Salford Red Devils what they managed to do this year with Tim LaFay, Brody Cross, Shane Wright among the fact that they've brought in players like Callum Watkins who, before, I know this was a couple of years ago but we thought he was washed we thought he was done he was he was in that World Cup final mm. yeah. we, you know, <laughs> oh sorry World Cup semi-final and he revitalised it Joe Burgess to take the step to commit to get him to take the step down and and make him you know a core part of the season. It's just been you know the try scoring for Kensia this season. I felt like last season he was the only person who could score them tries. This season it was because he was brilliant that he was scoring them so many tries. And I just think that they've managed to put together a squad of players that people didn't rate, and they've managed to use them perfectly for the for their strengths. And I just think it's been fantastic to watch. Um, it's been, you know, I think that for me that that's why they're the team of the year because they're a team of players that everyone had that so many people are counted out really coming, you know, a proper underdog story on their journey up to a semi-final. And, you know, it's a semi-final they lost with, with Brodie Croft not available. And, you know, you've got to consider those sort of things in in the greater story of what could have happened if, you know, if he was fit. So... Yeah, Salford Red Devils for me. Was that your third team? It wasn't, but like I can, I can see, I, I can see your argument, and, and I agree. The fact that they've got the um, man of steel this year means that, and and like you said, it took a bit of a gamble on him. So I think it's a great suggestion. Um, but my my other team was going to be Penrith Panthers. The fact that um, like they've set the bar in the NRL, they've you know it. It kind of was never in doubt that they were gonna um, win it again, and like even then they, they've still had to overcome a, a couple of um, players leaving um, at the end of last year. So um, I forget the name of the forward that joined them and went to the um, Bulldogs and um, the fullback as well, but they managed to replace with Edwards and. Um, yeah, just a, just they are a great side. There's not really much that's gone against them, but they are the best of the best in terms of like club um, football that's out there. Hundred percent, they are they are the best in the world. I mean, they could be the best in the world. We don't know if they're actually going to play um, Saints at this rate, do we? No, that's true. So I kind of hope that we do. Um, that's tough. I feel like I, I feel like Keith Lee were on there, but I, I don't know. I think. Yeah. I don't know. The thing, the thing is, it's making it hard for Keithley. Is unfortunately, you don't get a lot of news about League One. So, whilst we've been enjoying their season, we've not like yeah, r- like ridden with them every round. It's just been every couple of weeks we're checking and see how they're doing. And so they're, I they're feel like that's, yeah, 
yeah, like they did have an amazing season, and if and if they were like um, headline results, like we hear about how Saints are doing and how Panthers are doing, maybe we would have enjoyed it a bit more. But I, I'll be honest, I don't still don't know the full squad, so it's hard for me to like. Can can we can I can I suggest that we pick Salford, uh, Saints and Penrith? Would that would that bother anybody? I, I would be all right with that, and then it sets up the um, yeah. World Club challenge to help us make our decision. Yeah, we can confirm it next year. Toby, is that is that okay? Uh, go ahead with it. Yeah. So, the Biff Rugby League podcast, teams of the year are the St. Helens four-time Super League champions of 2022 and the Penrith Panthers NRL finalists. What, second year in a row? Three times finalists, two time winners, and I think it's nice to see that the fact that they should play each other. Um, this to point out, this match is going to take place on Saturday, the eighteenth of February, with kickoff at seven a.m. GMT. Oh, it's in Australia. It's because it's in Australia. Sorry, I was like, why are they kicking off at seven? <laughs> it's because it's in Australia. I was like, I was like, what the? F-? I was like, yeah, okay, no, that's fine. It's being played in Penrith for that, so that's nice. Um, club of the year now this is one where it's not necessarily about their on-field performances although that does help um, but how a club has developed and how a club has succeeded as a whole so all their playing squads off the field their community everything else um, for me there's only one there's only one because you look at how their community sides have got to grand finals Look at how their playing sides have got to their, their non-community professional sides have got to grand finals. Their community level, the work of um, Kevin Sinfield has really boosted the club this year and last year and the year before. Ever since that, the um, Rob Borough diagnosis, for me, Leeds Rhinos have stepped up. They weren't amazing on the field the last few seasons, but. This season, they stepped up. They reached a grand final. They reached five grand finals over five different forms of the sport. Like you can't knock that. I don't think there's. I don't think there's a team that's as successful as they've been this year as a club. I I don't think you can argue with that. Um, I've got one one thing that I did see this year that um, I thought was really cool, and I've not seen it happen before. Was um, in in around June time. Uh, Wigan Warriors organised a one-club training session. I don't know if you saw it, but they had like 200 players from like all the way through the first team, the women's team, academy scholarship, PDRL, LDRL, wheelchair touch, like all these things. There was um, 40 coaches there. They split them up into groups, and they had one player from each team in the groups, and they all did a training session on one night together. And that's the sort of thing that I think deserves an honourable mention in the Club of the Year awards because I don't think that many of these play all these players play under the same badge and represent Wigan, but I doubt that they had all met before. And to, to bring them all together in one night, I think that's pretty cool. And I, I think that's um, it's a really good idea that I think that a lot of clubs should try and get behind. I think it's a good way to build a great culture. So I wanted to, I just wanted to give him a shout out, but I don't, I still don't think that the club of the year. Um, I definitely think that Leeds Rhinos deserve this award, unless Toby pulls something amazing out of the bag to beat it. Go on, Toby. We're ready. We're waiting. 
Oh, Brad, I want you to close your ears for this because I don't want you to get on your high horse about it. But for me, it's it's the Halifax Panthers. Because in terms of, you know, the budget they run and the way they recruited this season, then struggled at the start of the year and had to claw it back in the men's game was was fantastic to confirm that they are uh, they are the third best team they're the best semi-pro team outside of Featherstone um, you know it's fantastic it's fantastic and the Halifax have really cemented themselves as a, a big rugby league club for the sort of 2020s now but I think more importantly is what they're contributing to the wheelchair game Despite the fact they didn't beat Leeds, they create, you know, they developed and brought through and brought forward Jack Brown who on the international stage, although Sebashara won the golden boot, I would argue Jack Brown is a real player that connects that connected that England team together and took them to a World Cup final. Um, the only World Cup that England won, um, of the three main ones, and I think that such a pivotal player was developed through the Halifax Panthers that for me um, just to go, go against the grain of Leeds Rhinos as well that is such a huge thing and that's why I'm putting forward the Halifax Panthers um, Robin I'm really sorry but he's just pulled one out of the bag <laughs> <laughs> um, not biased at all no um, I mean you look at that we had James Woodburn Hall go to the World Cup we had Lachlan Wormsley go to the World Cup um, Joe Keyes went to the World Cup Louis Giffray and Kevin Leroyer went to the World Cup. There's six players in the in that squad that went to the World Cup. I think Sultan still went but didn't play as well. Um, Tangata was in the reserves for the Cook Islands. Like, you know what? I get it. I get, I understand it, Toby. I do. I get it. I totally get it. We are the we are the best semi-pro team above Featherstone. I will correct you. As a squad, as an as a as a as a club, we are better than Fev always will be um, but I can't I can't look past Leeds and how they were this year I don't think yeah I think if you like going value for money and you say like achievement and impact versus cost yeah. then Halifax may be pippet but I think Leeds are like showing the way for how we all want a rugby league club in this country and around the world to be run mm-hmm. yeah I think so. I think that's right. Um, so for, for I think we have to agree. Club of the year, Leeds Rhinos. Um, I will now give you a Halifax nominee for a signing of the season. Um, Joe Keys. I can't say any more than that, really. He only played 14 times this season, our lad. He only played 14 times. But he scored 124 points in 14 games. I don't know who else does that. I genuinely don't know who else does that. Um, a former London Bronco, a former Bradford Bull, a former Hull Kingston Rover, and a former York City Knight. There are four teams there that I have followed in my career because I, I, I followed the career of Matt Cook. And now he's at Halifax. And I'm, I'm well happy. I'm so happy. Do you know what makes it worse as well? I trialled with this lad before he joined London in 2014. Wow. Like, I know he's two years older, but... This guy was trialing. He was in a, a, an open trial. He wasn't. He wasn't contracted before he joined London Broncos. But I can't. Yeah, Joe Key signing of the year. 
it's a great shout. Um, I mean, it's a great shout, but could, couldn't couldn't bring the goods against York in the playoffs. And um, for Ireland, I think he was all right, but I don't think he was, was better. Um, he was better than Luke Keary for Ireland, personally. For Ireland in the World yeah. Cup, he was better than Keary. So that puts him in the top halves in the world, really, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, exactly. You like when you put it like that, he's the, he's the second best halfback in the world. Well, I, I would like to put forward... Well, I've got a couple. I, um, I think I know who Toby's going to go for, so I'm going to go for a different one. Yeah, I, know, I think I know who Toby's going to go for as well. Yeah, it's only just because I know he's got a poster of him in his bedroom. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go for um, Nico Hines as a couple oh, of sharks. Yeah, yeah, he like he sort of came onto the scene at Melbourne last year as a bit of a, a backup utility player. Um, the Sharks managed to get him, and I think that was an awesome signing. Um, he's, he's won the Dally M. Um, he kind of deserved to go to the World Cup, I think, with Australia, but. Um, you know, I can, I can sort of, I can sort of see why he was a bit of a gamble, considering he's, he's had zero experience there. But I'm sure that we, he will do in the future. Um, yeah, one of the best, one of the best players um, in the NRL, which is the toughest competition in his first year for the Sharks. Can, like, can you ask for any, any more? Toby, are you about to say Blake Ferguson or something? I don't know. I feel like that's what's coming. No, no. Um, I don't think I'm. I think I'm going going on your route, Brad. Where you go, oh, I support a club, and you know we didn't have a bad season, so definitely going to be the halfback that we signed to help us do well this season. And that's what happened really with Jamal Fogarty at Canberra Raiders. <laughs> um, you know he didn't really play because he got injured in a trial or in training before uh, before the start of the season. As soon as he came on the scene. Canberra got good. Only Parramatta, Penrith, maybe South Sydney could have beat Canberra in the end of season form um, that they had. And I think that it's only going to grow from here. Um, and Jamal Fogarty is pivotal you know, in that. In many ways, he's as pivotal as George Williams was. But I think that you all know that George Williams at Canberra is probably my favourite rugby league version of a player of all time. Um, you know, so I think that to sort of say that Fogarty's up there too in that seven role, like when Canberra have a good seven, I know Josh Hodgson playing, they're just a special machine. And uh, yeah, I think that I think that Fogarty is obviously part of that that structure that's become that's made Canberra feel special and hopefully pu- pushes them on to do even better next season. So yeah, Jamal Fogarty for me, although I know I'm not going to win this one. Although that is a, a great shout because. When, like when he was at the Titans the year before, everyone was saying like sort of he's the sort of player that the Titans are going to build off as they like creep their way up the ladder for the next couple of years, mm. and then all of a sudden the Raiders poach him. Not only have they just boosted their roster with a great player, they've just taken away from a rival who was sitting in, in a very similar point of the table at them at the end of the year. So and again, I think that's a fantastic shout for signing because if we're looking at like everything involved in it. It's just a, a brilliant move from Canberra. Yeah, I think... If, right, hear me out, Robin. If you want to go with Jamal Fogarty, then I'll, I'm yeah. ha- I will happen, and you're happy to switch from Nico Hines, Jamal Fogarty will be our signing of the year. Because I am willing to switch to either one of those two. Uh, well, I'm, I'm 
I like Nico Hines. You look at the Sharks. Yeah, I think I think you can't look past the season around. Yeah, and they had such a great year, and it was like you know pretty much all off the back of him. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. I remember they signed a fullback, switched him to half as well. Yeah, and he became yeah. That's what I mean. He was a fullback. He was switching to six. They switched him to seven. Yeah, it's just it was just well worked. It was a fantastic it was fantastic from the Sharks. And they didn't cost them a penny apart from his wages. It was free free end of contract move, wasn't it, I believe as well. Yeah. Like I was yeah, shocked. Was I was shocked that they let him go at the storm. I was really shocked. Um it, it surprised me because they really could have done with him when Pappenhausen um got injured when he busted his knee. Because if if Hines was in in and around that squad then you you know what he would have been able to offer. Um so the Biff Rugby League podcast signing of the season is the Crown Sharks Nico Hines where do we go next here um you know what I just mentioned Pappenhausen so we'll go on to mullet um <laughs> mullet of the year you said you've got five Robin so I'll let you I'll let you go first and see if we mention any of those in my yeah. see if me and Toby mention any of the five that you're going to go for I've got five and um, you'll have to bear with me whilst I get my massive Yorkshire mouth around some of these names so my first suggestion big Tino Fasa Alumari Fasur Malawi Awi yeah that one yes <laughs> that one what a beautiful mullet that is <laughs> long and flowing amazing uh, the, the Tongan player Kolo Matangi that is a good one that is a big wide dark mullet <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if the guy you just mentioned, odd, combined with the Tash, that is a statement piece. Um, not often employed by a fullback, a slight fullback like that. So a very interesting choice. Um, the legend, one of Toby's favourite players, Josh Papaliti. Mm. Another beautiful mm. wide mullet. And also a very... A very plain normal cut from the front with a hidden mullet that's just flowing in party, and... party time at the back yes exactly and then i had to get um a super league player in there i know who this is oh, it's brad Fatch, and this is <laughs> ginger brad Fatch. wow what is that thing um the the light hair on the on the dark hull fc shirt is a sight to behold. Yeah, it is. And Especially the thing is, when it gets red in the face as well. Yeah, it's the tash as well, though, isn't it? Yeah, it's, like, yeah, it's, it's, the, it's the beard and the. It's just everything. Even when he has it, though, it's just. There was a whole article about his mullet. Like, wow. yeah. A whole article about his mullet, I think. And it, it set people going. Um, Toby, has anyone else mentioned on that list? Is there anyone that's not been mentioned so far that springs to mind for you? I think for me there's a player with a mullet who I think is probably is probably Umbra's best player in Joseph Tarpany I wouldn't say it's the best mullet but it's the best player with a mullet yeah yeah that's a good shout yeah that is a good shout and probably yeah my contribution would be that because I'm nowhere near the mullet researcher that Roy is <laughs> <laughs> I've um, got a league table yeah, yeah, I th- I saw an article of like the power rankings of mullets, and I'm gonna <laughs> power rankings of mullets. So let me find it. Um, I was looking at mullets before. Here we go. I don't 
think that a mullet on a indigenous someone of indigenous Australian descent is as impressive as on a pasty white ginger man no <laughs> no so there's eight here there's eight so this is the thing the NRL season is underway this was back from March players have bulked up others have trimmed down while some have debuted new or improved haircuts in recent years the mullet has had a comeback to put the likes of Alfie Yango and John Farnham to shame uh, there's plenty of good ones across the competition but who's his best so these are the top eight apparently according to Sporting News Australia mullets in the game Kelma Tuolangi alright front business back party simple stuff nothing special Josh Curran fly fly it just it's let that bird they're saying let that bird fly Josh alright when it comes to head, headgear wearing Josh Curran's hair Morgan Freeman as Red in Shawshank Redemption put it best some birds aren't meant to be caged their feathers are just too bright and when they fly away, the part of you that knows it was a sin to lock them up does rejoice. Let that bird fly, Josh. Do you know why I forget about him? Is because he wears the scrum hat. Yeah. You don't see it. You missed out Jack Whiten. Your, your Raiders boys there. Toby. I did. Like, Tino, Big Tino's <laughs> on there. Gloma Tangy's on there. Dalin Watani Zelezniak is on there. They were calling oh, yeah, him the mullet man at Hull FC in the, when they played Jamaica. All the kids, they were calling him the mullet man. Um, Ryan Pappenhausen's number two. Who's going to be number one? Josh Papaliti. Um, do you know what? I can't give it to anyone but Brad Fash. I think Brad, I'm looking at these now and I'm thinking Brad Fash is so much better than all of these. Brad Fashionable. Right, you killed it. Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Brad Fash for you, Tobes. You got to be in it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There's no way that man should have a mullet, but he's bloody got one. <laughs> <laughs> Fifth Rugby League, mullet of the year. Hull FC's Brad Fash. Don't cut it. Please don't cut it. Um, oh, shall we go with... Yeah, you know what? Let's do it. Biff of the year. This is where we choose our favourite big, big moment, big physical impact, whether it's a fight, a tackle... Uh, I don't know what you wanted to call it, but it's just a biff. Um, I've got two, and it's a sec one of them is a second Halifax nomination. Barrow versus Halifax. Um, two red cards, a yellow card. It was um, Maloudi up against Worthington. Oh, it's phenomenal. Titus Guazzi got a red card for pulling on a shirt, and I was fuming at the referee. But And then there was the State of Origin one. The state of origin one was amazing. I loved it. I was I was telling them to just absolutely batter the crap out of those New South Welshmen. But I don't know if either of you have seen another one that stands out more than more than those two this season. Well, my my nomination is a biff that happened behind closed doors. Oh, oh and it's yeah. A, it's a biff that will never truly know what happened maybe someone will um, bring out a biography who knows but um it was only recently it was after the after england were knocked out of the world cup and they're all chilling at the hotel and you know licking their wounds but bonding and just having a nice chill time and a random james bentley <laughs> flies over from the other side of the world gets straight off the plane doesn't even stop walks straight over to the hotel must have been invited by we we spoke about how, how you know how why he was there. Who knows? But anyway, but apparently he was gobbing off at um, Sean Wayne. Thinks that he should have been selected for England, despite the fact that 
he didn't even play well for Ireland. <laughs> and um, Victor the Inflictor, the half Aussie, half English hero. No, no, he's English. He's, he's not Aussie at all. He's totally, fully, 100% English. Well, he's never been, he's never, he couldn't have done anything more to be accepted by the English. But he, um, yeah, he, he, he gave James Bentley what he deserved, knocked him out apparently. And that bit, the whole story behind it, the, just the, I just, the scenes, like, you know, this guy gets invited along and starts scrapping. Um, and the fact that, um, oh, I don't know. Has it has it been investigated? Or it's just still like, still yeah. being un, still under investigation by yeah. the, the rugby football league have placed Radley under investigation. So I don't see how they're going to be able to do anything about it. Yeah, I think that they'll just let this one sort of burn out to the background. Yeah, they're quite happy to just like the the only the only footprint of this is just a, a black eye and a and a damaged ego of um, someone that's just been an absolute liability all year and probably deserved a good chin in that's my bit of the year Toby can you top that so I'm taking the pacifist approach to bit of the year no no then it's not going to win come on <laughs> come on man we're intrigued. all about swinging arms and shoulder charges you can't be a pacifist am I am I'm identifying a bit as aggression towards the other team and okay. for that okay. reason have gone for the referee in the wheelchair men's final. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Oh. Do you know what? I totally forgot about that. Showing complete aggression towards England's side to the point where I think if he was a French player, he would have got out of his wheelchair and started swinging. <laughs> so. It's the aftermath, though, isn't it, of that as well? A technical biff of the year. Uh, but um, yeah, I think that I wanted to get it on the podcast somewhere. <laughs> but I felt like Biff was the best place to put it. Yeah, no, I get it. I get it. Um, those, those hip thrusts. What the hell was that? <laughs> no, we've got to talk about it. I mean, he's under investigation. He's not going to referee at that level again um, for a while. But it was so obvious. Like there were so many decisions that he would give that weren't the right decision and then when the right decision by the main referee was given he just stood there shaking his head on like worldwide television like and it was afterwards as well he got his medal and then apparently he was just having an absolute go at the head of the rfl of the head of the international rugby and the wheelchair game like on the court in front of people just absolutely slacking them off and shouting at them in public like it's not something meant for the world stage or any stage for that matter and I mean, I know we say we say we shouldn't abuse referees and people like that shouldn't be abused. But this bloke deserves everything he gets after this performance, doesn't he? He deserves all the criticisms. Yeah. It doesn't it's not good, is it? Like we're trying to change the attitude towards referees and trying to explain that they're not, you know, they're not biased. And then <laughs> he's there just flying in the face of all that <laughs> on, on the biggest occasion, on the, biggest occasion. the wheelchair, yeah. probably and, ever. What was it? The biggest crowd that there's ever had? Like, yeah. Yeah, it's get, it's really. ridiculous. Um, this is what I, I wanted to mention this actually before we move on, really quickly. Every single one of them World Cup finals this year had a had a referee that was from one of the playing nations. Um, I tweeted about this and it wasn't met with much love, um, but someone did reply and the name escapes me. Uh, Rebecca Whitley, 
uh, or Whiteley. She's uh, a rugby league enthusiast and she's a Huddersfield referee development officer. So she knows about refereeing. And I, my tweet was, I said this on the podcast, in international sports you must have impartial referees. The French referee at the wheelchair final is severely unprofessional because his team aren't winning. Aussie refs in tomorrow's final. Australia played both. Poor from the Rugby League World Cup 2021. They need to sort it out. She replied, do you think referees grow on trees? We've got two countries with professional full-time match officials. Would you want a bloke ref in the equivalent of NCL doing the World Cup final if it was England versus Australia? We pick the best and keep developing the games. I said, no one is saying they grow on trees, but they need to fix this before 2025. England weren't playing in either final on the day, so an English referee could have managed the game. Just because we don't have enough referees, just because we don't have enough referees, we have to trust the ones we ha- we do have. The women's final was very well refereed by Belinda Sharp and her team, but Klein and his co, mi- Klein and co, missed a clear 40-20 seen by everyone else, and Crichton should have seen red. Also, uh, also the semi-final should have had the referees reversed. It's not. It wasn't difficult. It's not difficult to fix. I don't think. Um, the English referee should have done the semi-final between. Australia and New Zealand and Klein should have done the final between England and Samoa but they didn't and I, I think just quickly it need, that needs to be fixed doesn't it by 2025 we need to be finding more more full time good quality match officials don't we yeah it's a, it's difficult like she says they don't go on trees but when it's so obvious you just switch the referees for the occasions and there you go there's, there's no there's no question of their loyalties Although saying that, I'm not saying that I think that these referees are biased towards. No, not no, not at all. Yeah, I, I do think that on on the whole, in with the referees are good. I think this French guy is a one in a thousand bad example that unfortunately means justifies us having this argument. But really, I think we're I think we're okay. Yeah. Toby, anything to add? Yeah, I think it was maybe slightly difficult when Henry Peronaro was officiating. Hundred percent. That New Zealand referee who was able to take charge of Australia and England and stuff. And I think that it is a real challenge now that there's a yeah that you've almost got to admit that if you know that an Australia referee is going to have to referee Australia at some point. But at the same time, like there was enough English referees to referee that final. I don't understand why if you can get away with not appointing Australian referee to Australia game or French referee to a French game, why you wouldn't do it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, interestingly, I'd also argue, I don't know what you'd agree here, but you'd actually probably be better having a woman referee because of that extra level of impartiality that could come along with it. Yeah, definitely, because they don't always referee. A lot of the women's teams don't necessarily referee a lot of even the NRL games, if that makes sense. Like They follow... I get what you're trying to say, and I think Belinda Sharp has showed that she can. And I can't remember the other name. Is it was it Casey Badger, the other referee, the other female referee at the World Cup? Them two, yeah. when they refereed their games, were very well controlled. They didn't mm. seem there wasn't really much losing control of the game. There wasn't necessarily any standout moments that should have been sorted. They did really well in controlling the players on the pitch, and the respect was there. Whereas I, I sometimes feel there's not necessarily the respect for the male referees in our sport because of the mistakes that they make and obviously we'll get into that later on when we talk about blunders and moments of the year and everything but back on that Biff um, Radley versus Bentley Toby mate I, I, like mine was a bit of a silly suggestion I don't think you can look past gay guy and Burton in that brawl 
um, that was just a flashback from a, an era that's long gone and it was just like pure anger and aggression on a, on a massive occasion I, and and they landed them they landed them yeah. so yeah no I, that's my definite I, I would vote for that one yeah so the Biff Rugby League Biff of the season Dan Gagai versus Matt Burton State of Origin beautiful loved it I, I can't wait to see more um Let's go with the worst rebat. Actually, no, we're talking about blunders. So let's talk about, let's do blunders. The wor- the blunder of 2022. Who made the biggest mistake of 2022? And we can't choose Lee because they're coming up later on. <laughs> yeah, they could get me in for a double award. Yeah, one double one. award. Two neg- we, can't do, we can't go Lee or Derek Beaumont for this. Uh, I'm happy to go first. I've got, I've got two suggestions. One's a... One's a a nominate like a honourable mention one's a serious contender so my honourable mention is um, England Rugby League <laughs> firstly for choosing to go with a blue and white kit I think that that was right, really confusing but also for the men's World Cup semi-final um, they had it in a bag they on paper had the better team um, you know they'd beat them already once in the same competition and so I think that was a blunder. Um, my other, so that was my honourable mention. But my actual suggestion is uh, Ralph Rimjob. I mean Ralph <laughs> Rimmer for his stupid comments before a World Cup um, that just sort of stole the media. And I think he was extremely lucky that the World Cup just got started and got on with it before um, we had time to dwell on this because I think what he said was totally unacceptable and embarrassing for the sport at a very crucial time in our um, media engagement building up to a World Cup. Uh, I'm not allowed to comment on the situation yet, so um, I will let Toby go next. Yeah, so my blunder is, it's pretty like straightforward and obvious, I think, but, um, you know, I think that despite the fact that we know that Samoa were the better team, England did do a fantastic job of staying in that game and getting it level and getting it to golden point. Just make an absolute mess of golden point. Um, it was such a tactically inept golden point, and I think that if they did, you know, focus on just getting the ball deep into Samoan half, winning a turnover, hopefully, you know, it could have been a very different story. So to not even give themselves a chance of having a field goal after Samoa missed their field, their first attempt as well. I think that for me is blunder of the year because it did deny England a World Cup final. Oh, okay. I mean, I was I was going to go with something from the World Cup final, um, and that was Jack Smith missing the forty twenty in the opening stages of the game. But if it's given, and Samoa get on the board first, that game totally changes on its head, and I think it's not as one sided or as not as oh I think it's more entertaining than what it was as well. I don't know if that I don't know because that's massive. Like, and the thing is, that's not just Jack Smith either. That's all of the officials, everyone in the crowd and on the TV saw that happen, except from the Lino and Ashley Clark. The Jack Smith and Ashley Clark are the only two people in that stadium and on the planet that watched that game that didn't see that forty twenty. Yeah, I, I mean, huge. you're right, and it was a, a quite a key point in the game as well because I think Samoa were really, really 
high intensity and sort of had the Aussies a bit rattled. Mm. And I think that, like you're right, that they probably would have scored off that. The way that the game was going, the momentum is that would have been a real victory and set them off on on a good start, which is kind of what they got against England and was why they managed to, um, you know, drag drag that game out. So I think you're right, um, but. I, I still think the World Cup semi, despite the fact that um, you could argue we're, we're underdogs, um, you know, that, that game, what it wasn't really won off a moment of someone's individual brilliance. It was more England let themselves down and invited Samoa to beat them. And so that, so therefore, I think it's a, a yeah. massive blunder. And, you know, it, what happened in the last World Cup semi, we lost at the end again. Like it just seems to be in our DNA, doesn't it? But yeah, big blunder. The host nation. Uh, imagine how different the World Cup final would have been with an English team there. I, just the crowd would have um, would have been in te- like insane. But yeah, big blunder. Yeah, it wasn't great, and I think for that reason, I'm gonna have to back you both and go. The England semi-final loss, sorry, hiccup uh, to Samoa was the blunder of 2022. Um, we've only got two more awards left and we'll do the next one. It's This one's really self-explanatory and Toby really wanted to... I think it was Toby that brought up this one. Um, the worst rebrand of 2022. Um, I'm going to nominate some teams. And the nominations are Coventry Bears to Midlands Hurricanes. Um, Lee Centurions to Lee Leopards. And I feel like there was one more that we've missed here. Oh, yeah. The York City Knights <laughs> to the York RLFC Knights and Valkyries. Um, three there, three nominations. Only one winner though, isn't there, Toby? Take it away. Yeah, I mean, you know, at least Coventry Bears and the York City Knights not have to get South African wildlife experts to explain their rebrand to their fans and to people questioning the fact that they'd used stock images uh, of the wrong animal. Um, so I think that for that fact alone, Lee Leopards, you know, I didn't know that there was two other nominations available. <laughs> only one. Um, so you've done a really good job to think of the other two, Brad. Um, but yeah, absolutely. So Lee... Leopards is the worst rebrand of 2022. Um, should we say it now? I think the Lee Leopards is the worst rebrand of the last 2022 years. Yeah. When, <laughs> when you said there was more than one nomination, I thought you meant the first rebrand and then the second rebrand that they tried to do to fix the first rebrand. Because <laughs> <laughs> like, it's still shocking. They changed their kit, didn't they? First, The first kit had a leopard's yeah, arse on the... No, no, it was a Jack... Sorry, was it a Jaguar's arse on the back? Or was it a leopard's arse? <laughs> it was awful. It was absolutely awful. And I, I don't know what... I've met Derek Beaumont and I've spoke to him. And I don't know if either of you were there at that meeting. Um, did either of you go to the, the, well, the Challenge Cup semi-finals at Bolton that time? Yeah, I was there. Yeah, Derek Beaumont was in the room next to us. Um, uh, and I spoke to him outside um, during one of the games. And he seemed like a really like interesting bloke. And seemed he was up for a chat about a lot of different things. And his whole family was there. And like I think he's a good thing for the sport because he brings, it, he brings people in. And he brings in eyes. Even if it's for the wrong reason, it brings in eyes, right? 
But this is the worst decision he has ever made in his life. <laughs> it's awful. It's so, so bad. Um, so the winner, or should I say loser, of the worst rebrand of 2022 for the Biff Rugby uh, podcast is the Lee Centurions to the Lee Leopards. Um, we're not sorry. It's fucking awful. Um, moment of the year. This is the one. This is the final award. This is the, this is the last award of the evening. Um, singular moment of the year I've got two singular moments to go for um, I'll, I'll do one and then one of us then someone else can do one and then the, the next person and so on just in case we've all got more than one um, we've mentioned this bloke already we've mentioned this game already I think it's one of the best in terms of drama one of the best games of rugby league we've seen in a long time not necessarily technically um, but Stephen Crichton's drop goal in the World Cup semi-final was one of the moments of the year. Yeah, it was incredible, wasn't it? And he and he's like kind of one of the moments that's made him deserve that Player of the Year award as well. Everything riding on it, the whole um, history of a nation getting to their first ever World Cup final um, on the massive stage like the Emirates. Um, I can see, I can totally agree that deserves to be in the conversation. Um, I've gone with another World Cup moment, um, and it's one I saw with my bare naked eyes, and pray I will never forget. And that's um, Josh Adokar's amazing oh, yeah. try. Phenomenal. Um, like, and, and that try alone for me made the whole World Cup experience worth it. It was amazing. Um, I've never seen anything like it. and it was just so cool it, and it was right in the corner i was sat in like i've got goosebumps thinking about it i'm so i'm so glad i can say i was there and also that game in a whole as a, as a whole was just fantastic um, yeah seeing seeing those two rugby giants just like smash each other to bits and like fully take each other to the limits and see a moment like that it, like just just crazy just fantastic I, i'll never forget it Toby, do you have do you have a one or two or how many nominations do you have for this? Number one, um, trying to keep it something you know, streamlined. <laughs> um, I've gone for um, sort of I guess an underdog story that's maybe been forgotten in the brilliance of Samoa, and that was Queensland winning the State of Origin series this year. And to confirm that they've won the series in the 78th minute of the third game, Ben Hunt chases down a kick collects the ball in the air basically like the ball comes off a boot and he basically just grabs it out the air and then runs about 50 metres to score a try that confirms Queensland against many many odds no one thought it was possible in Billy Slater's first year of coaching uh, are the state of origin champions once again that's massive that is an absolutely huge moment as well and it's one that I forgotten about mainly because of I, yeah. I've now got for some reason I've now thought of another World Cup moment because like you said Toby you've seen you, sorry Robin you've seen Josh Adokar's try um, against New Zealand in person um, I saw Jamaica score their first ever World Cup try against New Zealand in Hull that was that was a World Cup moment as well like it's not for me it's not one that's going to win but it was just a, that's an honourable mention my, oh, sec honor. my second nomination though is the Sipitao versus the Sivatao 
Tonga versus Samoa. What Rugby League World Cup quarter final? Unreal. It's like goosebumps. I wasn't there, but you got goosebumps through the television. F- absolutely phenomenal moment that was. That was that was really cool. I think that they're such like assets to um, those countries and our game. And yeah, the way that they coordinated it, it was just like just pure passion. I'm waiting for a comment. I was going to say, you're telling me that 26 men can just dance on playing grass is a moment of the year. No, I'm joking. Um, yeah, no, do you know what? The moment you said that, I was kicking myself for not thinking of it. Um, I think the fact that I've called it a dance-off as a joke so many times has really got to my head. Um, <laughs> I think, I think <laughs> correct in mm. saying that that is probably the most electrifying war dance since... New Zealand and Wales faced off in rugby union about yeah. 15 years ago. Yeah, unreal. It was phenomenal. Do you know, and you know what? The, Samo- the Samoan in the Samoan um, war dance in the rugby league grand final, rugby league world cup final was amazing as well. To see those players head to head and the Aussies walking towards it, are and the Aussie women walking towards the Kiwi one as well in the women's game. Yeah, it was and phenomenal. The Samoan one in the, there was like 67,000 people. Yeah. Like, like screaming for the Samoans like there was a moment when um, I've forgotten which player it was the big forward you know where they all was it Pavaliti that does the uh, does the chart was it been, yeah and he stands up and he like says his first sort of like cry he just shouts and, Samoa didn't he yeah and then the whole crowd just went mental and you could see him like it took him a moment because I don't think he was expecting to get that kind of response it was like like when when that wall of sound hit him just like it lit him up and he used that to like amplify the passion again like yeah that that was that was really cool yeah it was that was was a moment there's so many moments just i also really like toby's going back to the origin like i was jumping up Mm. and down watching that moment and like like you say the context of that origin series and Ben Hunt coming up with that amazing play and, and he was also he provided the kick for Josh Alakar's try so that's two moments that that player's had his hands all over great like you know that's pretty cool yeah that is we've got to pick three of these and wreck them three two and one it's so difficult and like another one that I want to say just as a quick honourable mention was um, the women's uh, England first game in Leeds in Headingley uh, against 100%. Brazil, yeah, there was only seven thousand people there, but there was eighty percent school kids, and they were going absolutely wild for that. And I just think what a, what a fantastic thing for the game because I just think of all those like little girls in the crowd that have, would have been looking looking at those um, players that have worked so hard and deserve the recognition, and we're gonna and see them as role models and then inspired by them. And it it was just like such a amazing moment and like great for um the whole world cup and women's rugby league I, like that was a re- really nice moment i really really enjoyed that and was glad that i um pulled a sickie and went to that one <laughs> brilliant i love it pulled a sickie um I, you know what i kind of i'm gonna take the Crichton drop goal out and we're gonna have three and it's one from each of us here now. So we have to be honest with each other. So that makes it a bit fairer. We have the Josh Adokar try against New Zealand. 
the Queensland state of origin, Ben Hunt try to seal the, the victory. And then we have the Sipi Tau versus the Siva Tau in a Rugby League World Cup quarterfinal. Um, for me, personally, I am more than happy to put... Uh, the Siva Tau or the Siva Tau is not the number one moment here for me. That's what I'm going to say. Whether it comes third or second, I don't want to make that decision. But it's not number one. I think... I, I'll go out and say that I think it's third. It's an amazing moment and it and it's great, but it is it is like pre rehearsed, whereas the other two are like mm. moments of like just the right combination of chance and skill and effort. Yeah. And you can't you can't like you know, you can't manufacture them, they just happen. They are just pure in the moment yeah. moments. And I'm actually I I think here the Josh Josh Adokar try for me goes second. And the fact we've you you two have both said ah oh, this is a moment and I've and as a Queensland supporter I've forgotten about it until now and I've gone yeah actually I went ballistic when that happened I was going absolutely mental at the telly like I was very unwell but I was still going mental at the telly um, when this happened so for me the moment of the the Big Rugby League World Cup sorry. The Biff Rugby League podcast moment of the year is Ben Hunt's State of Origin try. Yeah, I, I'm happy with that decision. Perfect. Perfect. You, <laughs> you want something, Tobe. <laughs> um, so, in third place for the moment I of the year. I'm going to my baby again now. Yes, yeah, that was your... That was... <laughs> Yes, your prize for naming the moment of the year is you now get to name your baby and, but it has no, to. You got you got to name him Ben Hunt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got to name it Ben Hunt. Um, in third place, the Sippy Tau versus the Siva Tau um, at the Rugby League World Cup quarterfinals. In second place, Josh Adokar's wonder try against New Zealand in the World Cup semi-final. But in first place, the Biff Rugby League moment of the year of 2022, Ben Hunt interception try to seal the state of origin win for Queensland that is that is the moment of the year and that's a wrap on the 2022 oh hang on oh hold on I want to get it on record a another award that I'd like to present is to you Brad because you've organized this whole thing this year and it's been so much fun and you've put in loads of effort and me and Toby really appreciate that you pull all the strings and do everything behind the scenes so our host of the year is Brad Jerno, <laughs> the legend that is he's been out in public, he's secured interviews for us, he's he's spoke to the top of our game, he's spoke to coaches. It's been it's been awesome. I've had loads of fun, so thank you, mate. You're welcome. Thank you. You didn't um I'm gonna change that award and I'm gonna go co hosts of the year, um, to Robin Page and Toby Jones. Because we are all equals in this. We are all equals. Very modest. Very. I, I, do you know what? I've just really enjoyed this year. And I can't wait to be back. Um, I'm not going to say if there's going to be Christmas specials. Or Christmas videos or anything. Because quite frankly. None of us know. None of us really. We haven't had the conversation. Um, we're going to go down. Like, after recording now. We're going to have a nice admin chat for a bit. I believe hopefully Robin can stick around for a little bit. Yeah. Um so we're going to have a nice chat about admin 
and for any news that comes up we will let you know um, between now and Christmas and then we're going to take a nice Christmas break before we come back for the beginning of the season where we start with the Challenge Cup on the 11th of February um, thank you very much everyone who's listened thank you everyone who's subscribed liked, shared, commented replied on Twitter even if we've disagreed with you um, you've all helped us grow this year and we hope that you can help us grow next year um, this has been episode 27 of the Biff Rugby League podcast season 1 2022 um, thank you Toby thank you Robin um, we'll see you in 2023 with more swinging arms and more shoulder charges and hopefully a few less rebrands um, we'll see you all in about 8 weeks uh, thank you everyone and good night merry christmas and a happy new year it's november and i've said it i don't care bye <laughs> see you later